Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. And happy to be back with you folks for another week of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast as we kick off this new year of 2022. Uh, and this week, of course, you know, normally we have uh, John and Roger and Neil and myself, Bob, and uh, John, let me get this right. It's the John and Bob show today. It is uh, today. Yes, yeah, just we the have two of us. Everybody be praying for Roger Marsh and Neil Boron as they continue to uh, battle some winter bugs. And so, you know what? That's all right. We can we can handle yep. it by ourselves. That's right. We don't we don't need no stinking badges. We 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 don't need Roger and Neil. Uh, anyway, this week this week, folks, we're going to talk about January sixth because of the media, the Democrats, the this week everything is gearing up to the huge one-year anniversary commemoration of this universe-altering event that took place a year ago on January 6th. And that, of course, is the uh, breach of the Capitol. So we're going to explore this whole thing and try to put it into proper perspective. Anyway, before we dive into it, uh, John, how you doing, by the way, man? How was uh, how was Christmas? Doing great. Christmas was good. New Year's was good. Off to a, you know, it's another year. What do you do? Here we go. Yeah, yeah, I know. Twenty twenty. Off we go. Man, oh man. Okay, so uh, let me. There's a lot of different aspects of the January sixth thing that we're going to talk about. Uh, the, the, certainly, what's a proper perspective on this? How big of a deal is it really? A lot of the inconsistencies that are part of this. Uh, but honestly, John, one of the things that just makes my eye twitch is the way that this is being blown up and used by the left, by the media. You know, it's the old Rahm Emanuel, never let a good crisis go to waste. They're doing this with COVID. Uh, They used COVID to change election laws in this country to make it easier for Democrats to get elected. They're using COVID for more government intrusion and control of our lives and vaccine mandates enforcing and such. Mm -hmm. They continue to do that. And it's like, hey, we got January 6th. We got nothing else to run on. We don't have any policies that, that, that sell with the American public. We certainly don't have success stories from Biden. So all we have to cling to is this January 6th. Let's paint this mm-hmm. picture right. of conservatives and Trump supporters as a bunch of uh, dangerous animals. Uh, but I, I and, just, and by the way, Bob, I don't think yeah. it's working. I mean, we talked about this a little bit on our show yesterday. Uh, talking about, you know, just recapping 21, what's going to happen in 22. And to your point a moment ago, they, they have nothing else. They have literally exhausted every other avenue they've got to try to win midterms in this, you know, this, this coming year in November. And the reality is they're, they're just grasping at straws. Um, COVID is going to run its course. In fact, I think it really already has. Yes, guys, cases are up. Deaths are way down. There's more mm-hmm. and more news coming out, even from the inventor of the you know vaccine or the mRNA treatment, if you would, uh, you know, talking about that. I mean, there's so much more evidence, Bob, that keeps coming out to go against the Democrats, you know, mantra and the things that they just keep trying to shove down our throats. None of it's working, and frankly, I don't see. I see January 6th just being a blip. I don't see it being a big deal either. Well, of course, the Democrats and the pre- uh, the media, the progressive left, they have to somehow, some way, create the impression that this is a really, really big mm-hmm. deal, you know. Agreed. And uh, but this is what 
blows my mind. In their efforts to try to do this, you would think it's laughable. It's almost like a Saturday Night Live skit. Joe Biden has multiple times referred to this as the largest and biggest and gravest threat on our democracy since the Civil War. And so I'm thinking to myself, these people that rushed the Capitol, uh, this is bigger than Pearl Harbor. This is bigger than 9-11. Right. This is bigger than Jim Crow laws. This is bigger than than the wars, World War One, World War Two, uh, the war on terrorism. All of that pales in comparison to January 6th. And it just – you really think that they would be embarrassed by making that claim, but you know what? They keep on pushing this and they, remember John, all they got to do, this is something I was saying on my show yesterday. All they got to do regarding elections is try to sway two, three, maybe four percent of the people that are swing voters in the middle that are apolitical and tend to lean one way or the other, but not too much. All they got to do is sway them and they can control elections. That's what they want to convince people. Let's brand conservatives, let's brand Trump supporters as a bunch of insurrectionists, which, by the way, nobody's been charged with insurrection. No. And, and to your point, yes, that's what they're going to try to do. And, and, and believe me, the, to your point, they're going to do, they're going to run this thing out as long as they possibly can. By the way, one of the things that makes my blood boil is just this entire, you know, threat of democracy. First of all, we don't have one. So I don't know what they're really saying when they say the news. We have a republic, and actually Democrats are a bigger threat to the republic than January 6th would ever think of being when it comes to that. January 6th was, was, let's face it, it was a, and this is how I see it, Bob. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was a gathering that, yeah, let's just say this. I would not have entered the Capitol. Had I been there, I don't care what was going on, that would not have been me. I just, I, personally speaking, right. I don't feel like that was something that should have happened. But it did. And some people, I think, got caught up in the crowd and they got caught up in the moment and they ended up in a place that really, once they got there, they thought, oh, wait a minute, time out. Should I even be here in the first place? Now, I also know there's a lot of people out there and there's things you and I can talk about today that would say they had full right to be there. That's a public building. It's owned by the taxpayers. Okay. I get all of that. I just don't feel like as conservatives, that was the best way to handle things. If we want to take the Capitol over and we want to take Washington back over, we have to do it in a legitimate fashion, and you can't just go storm the Capitol. I, and by the way, will we ever get to the point as a country where maybe that is the case and we should do that? Possibly, Bob, but that wasn't a year ago. Right. Well, and you're absolutely right because let's – I'll tell you what, John, let's – just for the sake of our listeners, let's separate fact from fiction and remind people of exactly what happened a year ago. Okay, first of all, there you had a lot of Americans, millions, tens of millions of Americans who felt as though the election should not be certified on January 6th because there were still too many questions about voting uh, irregularities and possible fraud and such in a few of the key states. And this was a very, very close election. 40,000 votes in just three states would have swung this uh, combined total in three states would have swung it. Right. So you had a lot, of, a lot of people saying this is not right, including, of course, then-President Trump. So a rally is scheduled on January 6th in Washington, D.C. It's a peaceful rally that's scheduled. There are thousands and thousands of people that go there. Donald Trump is there as well. He's speaking to the people. And it was never intended to be anything violent whatsoever. However, you did have anywhere from a few dozen to maybe a couple of hundred, but probably uh, right now 37 people have actually been charged with kind of organizing this thing. So, But, but let's just be generous and, to the liberals and say there was a couple of hundred people. You had a couple of hundred people 
who planned on attending that rally and said, we're not going to stay peaceful. Our plan is to bust past the police and bust into the Capitol and to try to physically stop the certification from taking place. Now, those people are wrong. They absolutely should not have done that. But the and rally happens, wouldn't have stopped yes. it anyway, so it wouldn't have made any right, difference. Right, right. It, it wouldn't they have. Thinking, they weren't thinking correctly. Let's say, exactly. Let's say and, and they're, they're, right. They're being stupid. Okay. So uh, here's Trump. He gives his speech, and as he says, as you peacefully and patriotically march to the Capitol, because the plan was for there to be a peaceful march to the Capitol to stay outside the police perimeter and to merely be there as a presence to encourage and support the Trump-supporting Republicans on the inside to maybe stand up and try to fight against the the uh, certification. And, and, and by the way, Bob, yeah. that's that's our freedoms to do yes, so. There's nothing exactly. illegal about that at all. That's None. right. Remind that's right. Of that. Exactly. And so, uh, and that's why Trump even said, as you peacefully and patriotically march to the Capitol, to lift up your voices in support of those who stand with us. So, in other words, it wasn't even go there. And yell and shout down the opposing side, which would still be the right of Americans. But he was like, no, let's go there and encourage and support those who are standing with us peacefully, patriotically. But here's what you got. You got a couple of hundred people that are like, uh, no, we want to go in there and try to physically stop this thing from happening. So they pushed past police uh, and they were wrong to do it. Absolutely. But they pushed past police to get in there. Inside proper protocols, hey, let's take everybody, let's usher them out of the room and let's get them in bunkers, okay, just in case. We don't know how bad it's going to be. They go inside and what happened is after they started pushing past police, police just kind of backed off and op- when, actually there's video of them opening doors and saying, you know what, that's all right. Go ahead. We got the people safe. Let's just let them go through there. So the original group of people go in. Uh, there was not one person shot. There was not, well, shot by protesters. Right, there right. was not one, uh, there was not one person that even pointed a gun at anybody. Uh, n- as a matter of fact, none of them were even armed with yeah, firearms. I was going to say right. that. Yes. They didn't, you. there wasn't even a single gun, not one charge of gun possession that was there at all. So they go inside. They they are trespassing. Yes, they disrupted a, a a government proceeding. Yes, okay. So they were wrong for doing that. But then after they got in, you then had a few hundred people that just moseyed on in because the doors were opened already. You can see video of the police standing there taking no action as people are just moseying in, taking pictures and whatever. And all those people have also been caught up in the same dragnet. So now we hear 800 people being charged and whatever. Uh, and the and a lot of these people, dozens of them, are still, by the way, being held without bail in prison. And this is being called some kind of an insurrection when not one person, even any of the original couple of hundred, are being charged with insurrection. I got to tell you, John, this is one massive sham. And what I want to do, let's take a short break because I want to get your uh, reaction and take on all of that about what actually really happened on that day. More of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast next. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible verse by verse through in-depth attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth For Life on many Crawford radio stations or listen online at truthforlife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at truthforlife.org or by calling 888-588-7884. And be sure to let them know you heard about Truth For Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. 
Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit, John Rush, Rush to Reason from Denver, Colorado. Ah, uh, that's all we need. <laughs> Actually, Roger, Roger Marsh of the bottom line from the People's Republic of California and Neil Boron of Neil Boron Live from Buffalo, New York. And yes, we miss you guys. We do miss you guys if you're listening to us. Uh, the show is just not the same. The John and Bob show just doesn't work, but uh, we're giving it our best shot. Talking about January 6th, the one-year anniversary, and the effort by the left to rewrite history and create something that wasn't there. John, you're, you're taking analysis on what actually really happened on January 6th. No, I, I see I, you did a really good job of explaining, you know, what happened. And, and despite what all of the folks on the left and a lot of the, you know, keep in mind conspiracy theories run on both sides of the aisle, ours and theirs as well. And this is a big conspiracy theory, I believe, on their part that, you know, somehow Trump and his cronies, you know, gin this up and made this happen. And there was some covert, you know, operation going on behind the scenes to make all of this happen. One thing, though, I think, too, Bob, that you you know, forgot to add, and we do have proof of this now, is there were also folks from the other side actually yeah. making this really worse than what it should have been in the first place as well. So we had, you know, literal, you know, FBI, you know, agents that we, you can tell by looking at them, they were FBI agents that were there. And no, folks, it's not a conspiracy. There's folks there that can verify this. It's been all over the news. Just go check it out. The reality, Bob, is the other side did a really good job of, of ramping this up as well. And unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot on our side got caught up in that. Again, it was a day where, uh, let's just say clearer heads didn't prevail, right. and they should have. And I think it's one of those things that we as conservatives have to always remember is, you know, we have got to be the ones with the clearer heads. Yes, things can get emotional. Yes, things can get charged up. I get all of that, and it happens even on our programs. But the reality is, at the end of the day, Bob, we do have to have clearer heads. We've got to think more strategically, or we're going to lose the republic. Right. And, no, you're absolutely right. And, of course, when we talk about the other side – you know this, John. This is a common tactic of the left oh, yes. to show up at conservative rallies to to pose as conservatives and behave yep. way more badly than anybody else to hopefully get on camera. Twenty 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 one and on. So yes, I know. So yes, they, they do this all the time. But you know, it's interesting though, John. As as we talk about this and we we put January sixth into perspective. There's a common tactic that the liberal left uses. And if we have any progressive friends that are listening to us right now, I predict that they may be thinking this as well. And that is this. If we try to put something like this into perspective, we are accused of going all the way to the other extreme and completely dismissing it. So in other words, uh, with COVID, if we say, hey, wait a minute here, Omicron is not as deadly uh, as people have been playing it to be. Uh, the the uh, COVID thing has been hysteria that's been overblown. What does the left do? They take us all the way to the other extreme right. and say, oh, so you're calling the whole thing a hoax. I said, no, that's not worth, although there's some hoax aspects to this, but, but also you're just, din you're dismissing it. So these deaths don't even matter to you, does it? You know, what's well, the same thing with January 6th? If we say, wait a minute here, uh, this is, these people were wrong for doing this, but I'm sorry, this is not, this is not bigger than 9-11, bigger than Pearl Harbor. No, I'm sorry. 
what the liberal left does is also you're completely dismissing as though as nothing whatsoever. It was just a peaceful protest. No, we're not paying, playing CNN and lying about it and saying it was 100% peaceful. It wasn't. But, John, this is what the left but it does also all was, the time. But it also wasn't – I wouldn't go as far to say that this was not by any stretch of the imagination an insurrection either. I think no, that's, that's, that's it wasn't. wrong in how it's being labeled as well. It, it wasn't. So, uh, all right. Now, you don't think, though, that this – you don't think this is going to work for the left, though. You nope. think this is going to backfire on that. No, it's I, yeah, I think it's very early in the election cycle this year. You won't see – you know, of course, elections are in November. You're not going to see things really ramp up as far as, you know, the folks that start running and doing all the things that they do. Yeah, there's some folks that have thrown their name into the ring at this point. But really, things won't gear up until, you know, late spring, early summer. Let's face it, Bob. They're gonna they're gonna have a hard time, I think, keeping this thing rolling along much past probably a month from now. Yeah, All right. that's well, my you thought. Know, I'll tell you what. I hope you're right, but as you know, they somehow, some way, they have to be able to milk this thing. Don't uh, they they'll try. Look, yeah. No, no doubt about. It. They'll try. But I, my point is, I just don't think it's, it's like COVID almost. You know, there's already COVID fatigue going on as we speak right now. Folks are finally starting to realize that, wait a minute, you've told us to get vaccinated. You've told us to get two, by the way. You've told us to get boosted. Oh, and none of this works. I'm still going to get COVID, which, yeah, you probably are, by the way. Newsflash for all of you that have been vaccinated. You'll get COVID just like everybody else will. It's just how this thing works. So folks are finally, I think, in a way. Now, now, Bob, there's always going to be the hardcore 30 percent of that side that no matter right. what happens they're going to be bought in you know they are they are sold hook line sinker they're never changing their mind i'm not talking about those folks we're back to that middle ground that you and i you know open the show up talking about open the podcast up to talk about and, and that is you know what does that middle ground group start to think and frankly i i still see this in their eyes as being a lot to do about nothing all right well here's Part of my concern, and by the way, I, I'm not as optimistic as you are about this thing fizzling out and blowing up in their face as much, but I, I hope you're right and I'm wrong. The reason I say this is because, yeah, we talk about the 30% on both sides, all right? And, uh, yeah, there's 30% of liberals that I don't care what happens. I mean, That's Joe right. Biden could be caught on camera burning puppies alive and it wouldn't make any difference. That's right. That'd okay? make any difference. That's right. Uh, and by the way, in all fairness, you probably got about 30% of diehard yep. conservative yep. Republicans that have the very same kind of lack of objectivity. Okay, fine. Uh, to me, this is all about, and the liberals know this, it's all about two, three, four, maybe 5% in the middle. You right. know that there's a bunch of people that went, that voted in 2020 that will vote this November, and these people walk into the voting booth not quite sure who they're going to vote for yet. They they still they have remained undecided during the drive to the polling place because it's like Ugh, I could lean this way, I could lean this way. It's just so close, whatever. All right, and you talk about just a few million people in America. They make or break elections, and so these are the people sure. that they're not. They're not in the deep end of the pool. They're not inside politics. Uh, they pretty much go by the headlines of what they see, and pretty much what they see and hear on social well, media. They didn't know about Hunter Biden's laptop. They don't know about stuff like that. And that's no. My but if concern. you look at the polling of Biden himself and where he's at right now, trust me, they're paying attention. They're not that. They're not that oblivious. Yeah, I mean, his his poll numbers are just. Dismal and Bob, I don't see them changing even after they try to resurrect January sixth. You know, you know, now, tomorrow, and the next few days afterwards. I again, I don't see his numbers changing. Partly in, in you know, partly in part because of what we talked about a moment ago with you know, with the virus and other things that are going on, the economy to boot, which we could probably throw yeah. into this as well. 
I got a prediction about how they play COVID, though, and we'll, we'll get back to January okay. 6th in just a second, but I got a prediction, though. Uh, I predict that as we – sometime this year in this election cycle, it might be summer, it might be fall, it might be a little earlier, they're going to start changing the way that they count COVID cases and COVID deaths. They're going to shift from talking COVID cases to COVID deaths. They're going to start uh, examining more how many hospitalizations were hospitalizations because of COVID versus hospitalizations from something else, but that person just coincidentally yep. happened to have COVID. And so I think what they're going to do is they're, they're actually going to start monitoring COVID uh, honestly and more accurately, which, of course, will reduce the severity, the perception of severity for COVID. And I think they'll do that before the election so that they can play the card of, look what Joe Biden has done and the Democrats have done. We have finally beat uh, COVID and and capitalize on that COVID fatigue that people have to say, hey, we fixed it. Good thing Trump wasn't in here or we'd still be in the thick of everything. So I got a bad feeling they're going to do that, John. Uh, that, that wouldn't shock me, although I, that is one area where because of what we said a few minutes ago about the fact that most people will still end up with this even after they've been vaccinated, boosted, and so on. And, yes, they'll play the card of, you know, you wouldn't have you would have been more sick had you not gotten the vaccine and blah, blah, blah. Here's the other thing, though, too, that's already starting to come out and whether or not our side will play on this or not is the amount of excess deaths. There's already some reports coming out today uh, of insurance companies that have reviewed excess deaths in 2021 due in part to the vaccine itself. So there'll be another side of this as well, whether or not some of those, again, that 30% is never going to listen to what I just said. But that, you know, that, that middle part, depending upon how we do things as conservatives, you know, that may very well sway. I still think, you know, predictions of 2022 is it's a landslide in our favor. I sure hope you're right. Uh, short break. We'll continue next here on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org. And be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. Continuing this National Crawford Roundtable podcast, uh, we're just double teaming it. Me and John, John Rush, myself, Bob Duco. We'll have Roger Marsh and Neil Boron back with us next week. We miss you guys. Uh, we're talking about January 6th, the anniversary of this. By the way, can I just say, John, also, uh, isn't it interesting? There, there are no murals anywhere painted for Ashley Babbitt. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about, cause I don't want to ignore this lady here. Uh, right, this is right. the one person that was actually killed. Okay, now five people died during that event, but we know now that it turns out that it had nothing to do with what was going. They certainly weren't killed by any of the Trump supporters at all. Uh, one had a heart attack. One had, uh, I think it was a stroke or something. The next day, I mean, things like this that, that could have happened anytime. But the only person actually killed was one of the. Trump supporters, Ashley right. Babbitt. Now, right. she was wrong for climbing in the broken window. I get that. But if you look at the video, there are three police officers standing right there behind her, and they're not even stopping her. So the the, the attitude was, you know what? Don't worry about it. We know you guys aren't really hurting anybody. We're just going to stand back and let you go in at this point. Uh, she gets shot. She gets killed. 
And I can't help but wonder, and I know this is, uh, I'm, I'm pouring lighter fluid on racial tension when I say this, but my goodness, if this were one of the Black Lives Matter protests, mm-hmm. when, when protesters were, go, were taking over police stations or taking over federal courthouses and an unarmed black man or an unarmed black woman was yep. climbing through a broken window and was shot and killed by, we'll say, a white police officer, there would be murals everywhere. But And I guarantee you that police officer would be in prison. What a difference uh, when you put the shoe on the other foot. No, that's exactly right, Bob. Everything you said can't disagree with. And, yeah, we cannot forget about that life that was lost. And, again, did she do the right thing? Probably not. Was it deserving of death? Absolutely, positively not. Right. Period. Well, it's it's really unfortunate. And actually, as long as we're at it, let's let's bring in the Black Lives Matter aspect of this. I mean, and boy, my, by the way, it, those guys have vanished. Oh, I'll tell you what. This is what when you think about when you think about uh, dozens of people right now that are still being held in prison without bail, denied bail. They can post bail. But it's like, no, we're not going to yeah. allow you to post which, bail. Which, which also is wrong, Bob. It's totally right. wrong. It's not the yeah, way the system works. Treating them like like mass murderers that are like not terrorists. allowed to post bail. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and so, and but they've been held for this long while the Black Lives Matter protesters and Antifa rioters uh, they uh, not only smashed windows but they looted stores. They threw rocks and bricks at police cities, officers. That yes, they completely destroyed cities, burned them to the ground, actually killed people. Uh, when, when you look at the dozens and dozens of people that died, okay, the thousands of police officers that were injured in these riots, and the overwhelming majority of these of these uh, rioters, they were not only allowed to post bail, uh, many of them, actually most of them, didn't even have to post any bail at That's all, right. and in most cases, their charges have been completely dropped, totally and completely dropped. Meanwhile. These people, these Trump supporters are still sitting in prison. And I'll be honest with you, John, and we got about 30 seconds of the break, but I'd love your last thoughts on this. Uh, it's hard to believe that this is happening in America. Yep. Should not be happening. It's, it's not, it's not fair. First of all, the other side, to your point, should have had, you know, you know much steeper consequences. But if we're going to play both sides the same way, then the folks on our side should be out right now doing the same things that, you know, BLM folks were doing, which was, you know, in some cases a personal recognizance and or a complete dismissal of whatever charge they had. And, and again, the, these, the left is going to try to keep January 6th rolling along as long as they possibly can. They're even going to rewrite history books to talk about this being a huge insurrection. The day America almost lost its freedom. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Uh, all right, folks, we're coming up on the half of this one-hour National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And if you want to listen to the second half of this podcast, if your local radio station uh, plays the second half there, hey, great, you can keep listening on the radio. If it doesn't, you can listen to the second half online by wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. You can also go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can listen right there as well as previous episodes. We would love and welcome your five-star reviews. We get a lot of them. We really appreciate that. But uh, John and I are going to continue in this analysis of the one-year anniversary of the date that will live in infamy, January 6th, uh, coming up next here on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast.
This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. Continuing this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit, John Rush, Rush to Reason from Denver, Colorado, and a couple of other guys that just don't matter because they're not here right now. <laughs> you know, actually, we treat them. It's the professor and Marianne. Okay, there it's we go. it's and the rest. Uh, no, actually, Roger Marsh, the bottom line uh, from California, Neil Boron and Neil Boron Live, Buffalo, New York, both under the weather. Uh, keep them in your prayers. We miss you guys, and look forward to having you back with us next week. We're talking about all things January sixth uh, because this week. The press, the media, the Democrats, everybody else is trying to turn January 6th into some big date that will live in infamy. Uh, they will do everything they can to get this in the history books to make it some kind of an event. You know, the Democrats, John, in Washington have all year long, they, they're still pushing this idea of creating uh, some kind of uh, landmark or some kind of uh, either event or commemorative statue or, or, or exhibit or something like that in Washington, D.C., that for all time can be a tourist attraction. Hey, do you guys want to visit the World War II Memorial? Then we'll visit the uh, then we'll visit the Civil Rights Memorial. Uh, oh, and the Vietnam Memorial. And you know what? While you're at it, let's go visit the January 6th Memorial. They're trying to create something like this to in an attempt to rewrite yep. history it that's makes true. me sick makes me yeah sick. that's all the more reason why we've got folks listening we've got to take over 2022 we don't have any choice we've got to get things back otherwise uh, i'm afraid bob if we don't we're doomed yeah well i i very much agree with you on that so uh all right so when we talk about january 6 putting this into uh perspective i want to talk about the trump supporters that and what they have had to go through here in this, uh, and I, I just want to share a, uh, a story here. This is from the New York Post, and John, I want to read for our listeners just a little bit from the New York Post because most people don't have any idea about this press conference that was held by a few conservative Republicans just the other day. But I'll read to you from uh, from the New York Post, and this is actually back on December seventh of twenty twenty one. So this is a month ago. And I'll bet you most of our listeners are going to hear about this for the first time from us right now. Here's the New York Post report, quote, United States Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene slammed what she called the outrageous treatment of Capitol riot defendants in Washington, D.C.'s main jail and urged lawmakers on the House Select Committee investigating the events of January 6th to see the facility for themselves. During a press conference with fellow Republicans Matt Gates of Florida, Louis Gohmert of Texas, Paul Gozar of Arizona, uh, Congresswoman Green claims inmates are being physically abused, forced to read works of critical race theory, and mocked for, quote, the color of their skin. And here's what she told reporters, quote, The January 6th defendants are being treated differently on a whole nother level. They have been beaten by the guards. They are called white supremacists. They are denied religious services, denied haircuts, shavings, and the ability to trim their fingernails. They're denied time with their attorneys. They're denied the ability to even see their families and have their families visit. They are denied bail and are being held without bail. Many of these people have never been charged for a crime before. Some of them are veterans. Their treatment is unbelievable. She then went on to uh, talk about the disparities between the handling of those arrested on January 6th 
uh, compared to the Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots. She says, quote, it clearly demonstrates to the American people Congress does not care about your businesses that got burned down. It doesn't care about the jobs you lost. Congress doesn't care about your city or community that was devastated by violence. Not to mention the fact the riots from Black Lives Matter and Antifa resulted in more than $2 billion in damage. The Capitol riot, about $1.5 million. Uh, when I... Look, oh, and by the way, one final thing. She, uh, she says that, uh, public defender lawyers that are being told, hey, as a public defender, you have to defend these Trump supporters. Some of them are liberal and they don't like it. And so they're telling the defendants, you have to publicly denounce Donald Trump and you have to watch videos and read books about critical race theory or I'm not going to be willing to represent you. Uh, I just, I find it staggering that most people, John, I think listening to us right now, did not even know that these kind of claims are happening right now. These are Republican congressmen that have gone there and visited right. these people that are still being held. And they're reporting. They're saying to the press, here's what's going on. And you know something? You got New York Post. You got Breitbart. You got some conservative news media. You got us on this podcast that are talking about this. But you know something? The rest of the press doesn't Crickets. even care that this is going on. And right. I find that Crickets. sickening in America. No, I agree, Bob. And, and to your point, it's just it's 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 a travesty. Shouldn't be happening. These are American citizens that have rights underneath our laws. Uh, the rule of law still applies to them. And again, we go back to the original comments we made in the last half hour about the events of that day. Nothing there justifies what's going on with these individuals today. I'm sorry, folks. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, how you see this. Nothing that happened that day justifies the way they're being treated right now, period. I know. It cannot happen. And by the way, uh, John, can we just remind everybody that this is not anywhere close to the first time that a federal building has been seized in this way. We know what the Black Lives Matter uh, protesters have done and the Antifa protesters and rioters and such. But also, this has happened throughout history. doesn't make it right, okay? Right. I mean, the weather underground and, right. and the people that helped launch Barack Obama's uh, political career and such. But let's remind everybody as well. It, it was uh, in Donald Trump's last year of presidency that Trump was ushered by the Secret Service out of the Oval Office, down into a secure bunker. Why? Because of liberal progressive protesters and rioters outside of the White House. Why wasn't that considered an insurrection? We hear so much about Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence being taken to a secure bunker, but why don't we hear anything about President Donald Trump was also taken to a secure bunker from liberal rioters outside the White House that, by the way, were way more violent and way more destructive and way more deadly than anybody was on January 6th. Yeah, and my fear, Bob, with all of this is if it can happen, and this is something for all of you listening to realize, if it can happen to these individuals for something that happened on January 6th that they really shouldn't be, in my opinion, Bob, in prison at all for, did they do some things that were wrong? Absolutely. Should there be some punishment for it? Absolutely. I get all of that. What should that punishment be? Nothing close to what they're going through right now. And, and you know, what should that punishment be? Maybe that's something you and I, you know, could talk about or discuss or maybe get all the guys involved and do that at a later date. But the reality is this is not the way this is supposed to work. And the re what I want people to realize is this could happen to any of you at any time. If it can happen like this, folks, right. you're giving them way too much power and anything like this could happen again. 
And by the way, what should their punishment be? Here's my take on that, John. Uh, it should be consistent with whatever is the norm and the standard regardless of politics. So if the norm and the standard is the Black Lives Matter protesters and rioters that, hey, your case is going to be dismissed and so mm-hmm. no bail, if that's what the standard is, then apply that standard to January 6th. Now, personally, I don't believe the standard ought to be that. I, I, I'm more for law enforcement, and so therefore, I think there should be some some strict penalties. I, I do believe that if you – I don't care who you – I don't care if you're white or black. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. Uh, if, if you have a police barricade up and you physically f- uh, push those police and force your way past those police and overpower them, I'm not talking about – Shooting them. I'm not talking about uh, uh, you know beating them up or doing anything, throwing rocks at them, but just even physically forcing yourself past them. I do believe that there should be uh, penalties for that. Take somebody. You know what? Throw them in jail for a couple of weeks. Well, I'm and, not going to feel gonna, bad gonna, about I'm that. Push back on that, Bob. All right. I, I'm going to come back and say. It depends. I mean, again, we are a country that fought against England for its freedom. We did some things back then that there's people today that probably would think twice about because they're not sure that that's what should should happen when it comes to King George, let's say. It's not the politically correct thing to do. Well, there's a lot of guys back in the day that founded this country that were not politically correct that did some of the things we're talking about right now. What should their punishments have been? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's talk about that. Let's take a short break. We'll talk about that next here on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gregg. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on many Crawford radio stations or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with myself, Bob Duco, with John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Roger and Neil will be back with us next week talking all things January 6th on this one year anniversary. And so, all right, John, you bring up a fair point. Let's explore it because I mean, you my, know, at what point is it okay to have an insurrection? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, you know, look, I, that is a fair question, and that's why I, I mean, want again, to. Again, I'll be I'll be the first to say I don't feel like January 6th was that. I don't no. feel like January 6th was even the time for an insurrection, although they're calling it that, and I don't think that's what it was, anyways. But I'm also a believer that, and I'm I'm on this side of the aisle, guys. If it gets to the point where we've got to push back against authorities because authorities are doing things they shouldn't be doing and they're not handling things correctly and it does come to the point where the citizenry has to take this country back over, how does that happen, Bob? Well, John, I don't think it happens by uh, by attacking police. I, I just don't. If police are standing there, I don't think the answer is to let's try to forcibly physically overpower them. Now, obviously, uh, neither one of us would support throwing rick, uh, bricks and rocks and things like that. But even just saying, uh, e- even just basically pushing against them and trying to forcibly get past them, I, I can't support something like that for for the, the the evils of what was going on in this election. I can't now. No, and, does and, there- and, and agree with you on that one one thousand percent. What I'm throwing out there though is, what if it wasn't that? What if this is something else? 
out there, and I, I can't think of a good example of what it would be, but let's say that the police, by the way, which we're going through a transition of, I think I've said this before, the, the defunding of police is not at all the defunding of police. It's the switching of police to get the police forces that are out there, which, by the way, the majority of them are on our side, Bob, you and I side. They're sure. not going to enter homes. They're not going to take guns back. They're just not going to do the things that the left would want them to do. So I look at the defunding of the police as a changing of the forces, if you would, to get them more on their side to then carry out the things, much like Hitler had his guys doing back in the day. I look at the, this as a changing of the guard, if you would, to then get police to do exactly what they want. So let, you know, let, let's use let's use Germany as an example, where mm-hmm. where you know we had folks that were hiding Jews. They were doing things that were totally against the law at that time. They were risking their own lives to do so. I mean, were those folks insurrectionists when it comes to what was going on in Germany? They absolutely were, Bob, and they were right. Yeah, and it was justified. And it was justified, right? And so, yes, there is a place where it gets to that. And by the way, I'll give you kind of an example of what we could see in this country. I don't want to I don't want to compare the LGBT agenda to the Holocaust of Nazi Germany, of course, but uh, I do believe that we're on the precipice in this country of having children taken away forcibly by their parents because oh, yes. of the whole transgenderism thing. Oh, you're, mis- you're, you're, you're misgendering your child and uh, the school counselor uh, reported you as parents to uh, child protective services and so you're causing psychological harm and so therefore we're taking your child away. Uh, now, I'm going to tell you, John, if I my kids are grown now so but if i had a a child right if i had a child and police came to my house police that i support okay uh, but if they came to my house and said we uh you know hand over your child i would say no and and it's like we're going to take your child and you know what i would end up getting arrested because i would you're going to have to pry my child yeah. from my cold yeah. dead hands yeah. uh and so there does come so i'm not saying there's not a point where we where we uh physically resist law enforcement that to me is an example where i would uh, i just don't think that january 6th as wrong no, as that was right. Rises throw, to that level. I, oh, and I agree, by the way. F- fully agree. I don't think it was that. I don't think it was any, anywhere close to that. But I do want people right. to think about, you know, what types of situations would come along that in this country we would push back against. Let's say that, Bob, all of a sudden we get an administration and they get, they get powerful enough and there's enough, you know, police force behind them that every church is shut down. They're guarded. They're shut down. There's a police barricade around each. Is that an okay thing to break through and go meet and assemble inside of a church? I would say absolutely yes, it is. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Or an underground church or thing. Well, look, exactly. this is happening in China right now. It is. China, China, they have their acceptable legal churches that uh, water down the gospel because it's the Xi Jinping communist approved version of, of Christianity. And then there's the underground church where they, uh, you know, where they're violating the law. But you also have women in China that have been forced, uh, forced to get abortions and forced to be sterilized. And so if somebody, came into my house, if law enforcement came to my house and tried to force my wife down to be sterilized, I'm going to get arrested or killed because I'm going to fight that law enforcement in that case. So, yes, I believe that there is definitely a case for this. And I also understand the the breaking away from Great Britain uh, that took place as well. Uh, there does come a point where that may be necessary. And by the way, John, if I can really, as long as we're – venturing into the, uh, the, the the dangerous area of discussion here. What about the idea of maybe sometime in the future, a, a few states gather together, conservative states, maybe Bible Belt states, and say, you know something, 
we are seceding from the union. We are seceding. It's yeah. 1776 over again. Yeah. We're seceding yeah. from the union. Uh, you, you know, I know this sounds crazy, but I could see myself joining forces with something like that, just yeah, as I, mean, I could have in 1776. Yes. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I mean, if it gets to the point to where, you know, the current powers that be end up, you know, literally like King George was doing, you know, taking away all of our freedoms, you know, being oppressive, doing things to us that, you know, don't allow us the God-given freedoms. That's the thing that right. I think we need to focus on at some point on this podcast as well. Is, right. you know, is why the Second Amendment, by the way, folks listening, doesn't give you any authority to own a weapon. What it does is emphasize the fact that your God-given uh, you know, right is to own a weapon and to protect yourself. These are God-given things, nothing that the state or the government gives us. And when those things start to get taken away, Bob, yeah, I'm with you. I, I could easily see me joining forces with those states that would want to secede, and that would bring on a whole other set of, 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 you know, issues and conversations at that time. But, you know, would I be one of those in that camp? Absolutely, positively would. Why? Because I love this country. I love the freedom that God has given me, and I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make sure we retain it. You know, when you said God-given right to defend ourselves, I, there, there's liable to be some in the audience that are like, well, I don't know. Is a Second Amendment really a God-given right? Uh, I'm with you, and I'll tell you why. If you look through Scripture, we see, John, that uh, it is per, it is godly to defend yourself and to defend your family. It absolutely is. Uh, Jesus it's instructed his it's Jesus mandated. instructed his disciples to carry swords. Two thousand years ago, there were right. no guns; they weren't invented yet. The sword was the most lethal personal weapon of the day. His disciples carried swords. Jesus instructed his disciples: when you go out, carry a sword. If you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Uh, and the sword was used for the purpose of self-defense. So this is absolutely something that uh is a god-given right that uh, uh that there's nothing wrong whatsoever now a christian says hey look i'm against guns i don't want to carry guns okay fine but don't try to tell me as a christian there's something wrong for me having a cpl concealed carry license because there is nothing wrong with that's that right. whatsoever biblically that's right um, and and again it's it's the, the the last phrase of the second amendment by the way folks shall not be infringed. What that's saying is God gave us that right and we are not going to infringe upon it. That's right. That's right. So let's, uh, let's do this. Let's take another short break. Okay. And we're kind of analyzing everything about January 6th and, and some branches connected to it as well on this one year anniversary. And, and honestly, folks, I even hate using the term one year anniversary Me because it, it, it feeds into that perception of creating this as something larger than it was. Uh, the, 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 the press and the Democrats are masters at trying to blow something up bigger than it actually really was. But we'll continue this discussion next here on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Dr. Michael Youssef leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Youssef. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org slash listen, and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Continue the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with John Rush, myself, Bob Duco, Roger, and Neil will be back with us next week talking about all things January 6th. And, uh, you know, John, as I was mentioning, the uh, the press, the Democrats, they are masters 
at taking something that actually really is scandalous, like connected mm-hmm. to Democrats, such as Joe Biden, his uh, family influences and influence peddling and such, and certainly the whole thing with Ukraine and with China and Hunter Biden – all of that and sweeping it under the rug. They're masters at taking Democrat mountains and turning them into molehills, but then taking Republican molehills and turning them into mountains. Uh, and I'm not saying January 6th is a molehill, okay, but it wasn't a mountain either. Yeah, uh, but, but here, right. But here's what comes to mind. Just an example of this. Think about Trump for a second here. When Trump was president, uh, how much did we hear about the Russia collusion thing for years? Daily. How much – think about what they did. You had Don Trump Jr. spent 20 minutes in a meeting in Trump Tower with a woman by the name of Natalia Veselnitskaya who was a Russian lawyer who, by the way, hadn't done any work legally for the Russian government for 15 years up to that point, who claimed, I have opposition research dirt on Hillary Clinton. Well, who's not going to listen to that? After 20 minutes, he's like, yeah, you're wasting my time, ended the meeting. That was blown up into some kind of proof of collusion. And, of course, if Donald Trump had Russian dressing on his salad, that would be uh, evidence of, of collusion somehow. The Ukraine phone call that Trump can't even say to the Ukrainian president, you guys got a real corruption problem. You've had a lot of corruption in the past. You need to be looking into all of the corruption, including, of course, the Joe Biden stuff. He can't even say that, but Joe Biden can brag openly that, hey, I ordered the Ukrainian government to fire their head prosecutor that was investigating Burisma. They happen to be funneling millions of dollars into the Biden family pockets. Uh, And he can say that openly or I'll withhold a billion dollars of U.S. loan guarantees to them. And that's swept under the rug. I I just – they are masters, John. And this is what people need to pay attention to in 2022 is – uh, they will take anything and everything that a Republican says, especially somebody like DeSantis or Ted Cruz or Trump or somebody that could potentially be a nominee in 2024. They will take anything and everything they say and they will find a way to blow it up into some kind of fake scandal. Yeah, and Bob, let's not forget some of the other mishaps that this particular presidency has had, including Afghanistan, where we oh, lost a whole boy. lot more that day than what we did in this quote-unquote insurrection on January 6th. And uh, the reality is those are the things that we need to be highlighting, not what happened on January 6th. What a great point. You know what? $85 billion of United States military equipment, tanks, Left. Humvees, helicopters, and everybody else that is now in the hands of the Taliban at the United States no, government. No, 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 it, whoa, 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 hang on, Bob. No, it's in the hands of the Chinese. Yes, the Taliban have it, but ultimately it's yes. in the hands of the right, Chinese, right. along with several trillion dollars of rare earth metals. That's right. That's right. And, and so this, which by the way, the Taliban is now one of the most heavily armed military forces in the entire mm-hmm. world right now, thanks to us. They held a, a couple of months ago a parade down the streets of Kandahar, and the parade was United States military tanks and helicopters and equipment. Oh, I thought in those this were all parade. disabled, Bob, and they wouldn't be able to use those. That's what the left <laughs> right, told us. Right. I, I know. And, and so how in the world that is not on the radar screen of the liberal left in this country, but uh, a few dozen to maybe a couple of hundred idiots busting past police on January 6th a year ago is a date that will live in infamy. So we need to know. this, this uh, John, I don't know about you. I don't know how long you've been doing radio. I've been doing it for 23 years now. And you know something? I have never 
seen this kind of outright blatant dishonesty yep. from the liberal left. It, nope, it is staggering. It, it, it really it, is. It has gotten to a level to where they uh, unabashedly lie, cheat, steal, whatever they have to do to change the mantra, they will do. COVID has proven that over and over again. Afghanistan's another example of that. What's going on with, with January 6th is another example. I, like you, I hate even talking about it because all it does is bring up something that, frankly, I just don't want to talk about because I don't want to give it any more press than it's already getting. But bottom line is, yes, they will do, and, and this is something all of us need to realize as conservatives, they're going to do anything they possibly can to make sure their side retains power and they control you. Right. Which kind of brings us to, we talked about the 2022 election a little bit earlier and, and what tactics they're going to play to try to hold on to power this November. Uh, we know the COVID card. We know the January 6th card. Your thing is Jan- they're just not going to be able to milk that. They're already squeezing air out of it. And, and so they're not going to get another 10 months out of it. And you may be right. I hope that you are. Uh, but COVID, I think that they're certainly going to play, no doubt. And they're going to look for anything else that they possibly can. Uh, their efforts to try to smear Ron DeSantis we're seeing already. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which isn't going to work either, by the way. <laughs> here's – I know. What, what do we do though, John, with the disenfranchised, frustrated conservatives who feel like voting is a futile effort because you can't trust the integrity of the elections anyway? They're right – but that doesn't mean I don't no. I, I, that I want them to stay home. So what do we no, do about fact, that? No, in anything, what, because of that, we need each and every one of you to get off your chair and do whatever it possibly means in your area, your state, your your county, whatever it happens to be, and vote. You cannot sit any of these out. It is imperative now, probably Bob, more than ever in the history of this country, that you stay involved. Absolutely, and I I know that it's frustrating to have to work harder than your opponent to get the same score. I get that. And it would be now, Bob, very that's fr- life. So what? You know, you know what? To I know me, that you know, I'm a business owner. I mean, that, that's what we as business owners do constantly. Folks, let me listen. Let me let me give you a little insight. It's called the game of life. Get over it. Get over yourself. Get off your duffs and get involved or you're you going to lose so, the country. Yeah, look, if a football game if a football game, the, the, if the referees say when the opposing team scores a touchdown, we're giving them seven points. When you score a touchdown, we're giving you three. Like, uh, no, that's not fair. We should get the same seven points. That means points. you got to score, not, you know, five you know what times that more. Mean? Exactly. That's my attitude. It's like, okay, suck it up. Quit crying about it. Get your thumb out of your mouth. You know what that means? That means we just have to score two and a half times the number that's of right. field goals we normally would. Okay. We can still win this thing. Uh, even if it's an unfair advantage, we run uphill and they run downhill. We can still run uphill faster than they can run downhill if we if it's all hands on deck and so uh yes this is yeah, and, about and real quick bob the other thing i want yes. to throw in there too is please all of you listening especially you well christians would be the only ones that would say this don't give me this well maybe it's just god's will that the country goes a different direction no it's not by the way so quit <laughs> saying that and quit using that as an excuse so i want to address something here that i, I know this is going to sound upsetting to maybe some of you in the audience but I'm just going to say it. I don't think Christians have any business voting for the Democratic Party the way the Democratic Amen. Party functions right now. Amen. And you know something? Uh, when we look at everything going on 
in the country right now, not just economically, but also the LGBT and transgenderism agenda on steroids, the mm-hmm. religious freedoms and liberties being taken away, that whole movement on steroids, and the disaster that is the Biden presidency. And by the way, all of the the liberal left-wing pro-abortion judges that are being put on the benches now by the Biden administration and his puppets instead of Donald Trump's evangelical Christian conservative pro-life judges. The reason this is happening is because you still have to this day about 25% or so of self-described born-again Christians who can't get past the fact that we've always vote Democrat and they continue to vote for Democrat or they couldn't bring themselves to vote for Donald Trump because they didn't like his his personality, his style. He's too harsh, he's whatever. Okay, well, guess what? This is the fruit that's been produced from your unwillingness to vote for Donald Trump. And so what I would say to Christians who have bought into the lie that the Democratic Party is the party for the poor or whatever, uh, you need to get past this nonsense. Right, and you need to recognize, stop supporting the Democratic Party. They're not the Democratic Party of JFK anymore. They're not your dad's Democratic Party. Stop voting for them. And if just half of Christians who vote Democrat would switch, then you know something? Done. It's done. It's uh, The Democrats, they have no choice, John, but to completely revamp their entire plank and platform uh, if if they lost just half of their evangelical support. Yeah, Christians that are on that side, grow a brain, uh, literally, I mean that sincerely, grow a brain, stop stop looking at things emotionally, and in, in a lot of what Bob just said is the way you guys look at things. The reality is, no, they're not your friend. And let me tell you this, too. I want to make sure everybody understands me. If you're a Christian and you vote Democrat, you are voting for the party that wants to see your demise. Right. And we'll do everything possible to make sure that happens, by the way. So you're voting for your own demise, Bob. That's right. But you know something, John? They have bought into the lie, many of them. Now, you you get some Christians that they are convinced that the Democratic Party is the party that helps the poor. All right. Well, it does not. But it's not. Let, let's look at the actual, no, look at the actual results of this. Okay. You can see what the Democratic Party does is perpetuates poverty by keeping people on government dependency. When you do that, you keep them poor. The Republican Party, their philosophy and policies are let's turn poor people into former poor people by right. giving them more opportunities than they had before. Uh, that is the biblical model also. But you know, John, there's something else I was talking about with my audience, and I want to get your take on this. Uh, you know, my show, I broadcast out of Detroit, okay? This is Motor City. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got GM, Ford. I mean, right. I can't even exaggerate to you how many of my listeners are union members uh, in my audience, okay? So pretty much everybody's a union member in Detroit, sure. okay? Sure. Uh, and one of the things I've been telling them is that uh, people need to realize the Republican Party is way, way, way better for your union than the Democratic Party is, and here's why I say that. Uh, yes, I know the right-to-work uh, debate that exists, but in general, if the company that you work for is more profitable, and we know the Democrats uh, are trying to make companies and corporations less profitable. They're trying to increase regulations and, and tax them more and such. The Republicans want to help your company be more profitable. Okay, if your corporation that you work for as a union uh, worker, if your company is more profitable this year, how much more leverage does that give to your union negotiators, your collective bargaining agreement negotiators? Because right. those negotiators can now say to the, to management, uh, we want more 
for our listeners. And when management tries to say we don't have it, the union negotiators can say baloney. Look at your bottom line. Look at how, look at the record profits you had last year. It gives more leverage and muscle True. to collective bargaining agreement union negotiators when your corporation is more profitable. You want to get more stuff from your union? Vote Republican so that That's the right. Republicans will help your company be more profitable. That's right. Somehow, John, it, it drives me nuts that Republican politicians are not selling this point hard across the country. And, and the reality, too, on top of that, Bob, let's make sure that everybody understands that not only will they make your company more profitable, but at the end of the day, that makes you more profitable. Right. And ultimately, our goal as conservatives is to enrich your life, not take anything away from it, but actually add to it. The other side wants to take away and control you. We want to give you freedom and have you make the decisions on your own as to what you want to do with your life. To two totally different philosophies, Bob. And as long as we are pouring lighter fluid on tensions, emotional tensions, let me say one more thing. If you're an African-American, you have no business voting for the Democratic Amen. Party. When you look at what the Democrats have done to black people in this country, right. they've had the black vote now, 90 percent of the black vote for 50 to 60 years. And look at where all the poverty and crime in this country overwhelmingly is. Look at the results they have to show for it. Look at the school choice program that's being denied mm -hmm. to poor inner city black families by Democrats who are in bed with the powerful teachers unions. Uh, look at the abortion genocide taking place in this country. Over 70% of abortion clinics in black and minority neighborhoods. Uh, I got to tell you, John, it, it yep. is amazing to me how the Democratic Party policies are decimating African-Americans in this country. Uh, but the Democrats by the keep way, on we, lying the, to them. The, the solid leaders of that group you just mentioned will agree with you and I, by the way. Yeah. All well, day long. I know. And you know something? It, it's it, It's got to be time it's got to be time for for some people to change what has always been the norm for them, okay? Be willing to break up the status quo and go, maybe just maybe, you know, I'm African-American or we come from a union household or I've always been taught that the Democrats are the ones who care about the poor or I've always been conditioned to see the Republicans as a bunch of white racists or whatever lies you've been conditioned to believe – be willing to take a squeegee to all of that and say, let me start fresh. Let me look through fresh eyes. Let me examine the evidence itself and let me take a deep gulp and maybe just maybe be willing to change the status quo and try something new. Uh, I, I, if we can get – John, if we could just get – 10% more of African-Americans and just half of evangelical Christians who support the Democratic Party right now to take a fresh approach and a fresh look at the Republican Party. And by the way, I mean real conservative Republicans, mm -hmm. not the rhinos. Uh, then, uh, then you know what? The Democratic Party has no choice but to clean itself up. No choice Agreed. at all. All right. Well, we'll, uh, We'll see what happens. It's an, uh, John, we got through it, man. So, hey, listen, let me ask you on a side note. How, yep. uh, how you doing with, were you affected at all by the wildfires? Oh, my, my business is on the very east side of that. I was up, uh, at my, at my office, my business, uh, up until about 8 39 o'clock that night. So last Thursday night. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was rough, uh, Bob. It, it sure. really affected a lot of individuals. Although I reminded folks on my show yesterday, and this is not to diminish anything that happened, but, we have FEMA here, by the way, Bob. Yeah. Go home, FEMA. We don't need them. These are upper crust, upper middle class to high class homes, Bob. FEMA does not need to be here. This is, again, another Democrat, you know, opportunity that our governor took to, to look good. 
they're not needed here. Yeah, I'll tell you what is needed, though. Uh, be praying for the people of Colorado, Denver, right. and surrounding areas, okay? Because there are a lot of people that have had their lives and businesses and financial situations uh, devastated as well. And so be keeping them certainly in your prayers, everybody. And also be praying for Roger Marsh and Neil Boron. They, they're, they're battling uh, back from the health issues that they have dealt with. We look forward to having them back with us next week. We look forward to this whole new year of 2022 with all of you listening to us. We always appreciate you tuning in. You can listen to past episodes at CrawfordMediaGroup.net or as well as uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So, uh, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, look forward to you guys next week. John Rush, myself, Bob Duco. John, hey, man, this was fun. It was it's like awesome. the John and Bob Enjoyed show. It. This, this was great. It. Really hey, listen, I'll talk to you later, man. Talk to you next week. And uh, everybody else, thanks for listening, folks. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a biblical view of culture, current events, and politics. Thanks for joining us. The first half of the podcast can be heard each week on this Crawford Media Group station. You can download and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. The National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. This is a Crawford Media Group production.